thank you for joining us at Luminous Church. And this morning, we hope that you see Jesus clearly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give them a hand. Give them a hand. Some of them are in here a little, a little intimidated by seeing themselves on camera, but we are thankful for that because that communicates our heart. All of them are currently in a discipleship process um, at Luminous Church, and we're thankful for them. And that's what we're going to be talking about this morning, our discipleship process. All last month, we talked about what it is to be a disciple. I'm excited about what God's doing. But before we do that, if you have your Bibles, turn to Titus Titus uh, verse 11 through 14 is where we'll be. I want to read this to you and um, just talk about some current affairs real quickly. It says, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in the present age, waiting for a blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Who gave himself up, he gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people of his own possession who are zealous for good works. To live godly lives in this present age. That's what the grace of God gives us. He, he gives us the ability to live godly lives. The grace of God not only offers salvation, but it offers the power to live now and in this time and in this day. And how many of you know we are in the present age? We are in the present age. Still today, we are in the present age. As long as today is called today, it's the present age. And I'm so thankful that God has given us hope in a time that we need hope. As you know, that there are many, many court decisions being decided. There's many things happening right now around the world. There are things happening in Charleston and all over the world that we would not agree with, that we would not agree with as a church, and I would not agree with personally. And in these troubling times, I realize that sometimes we operate out of fear, doubt, and unbelief. And we wonder, where is God in this present age? But I believe that Jesus is still on the throne, that he's still on the throne, he's still in control, and he absolutely knows what's best for us. Last night, 300 million people celebrated the allegiance to our country. They celebrated the 4th of July and had a good time. I mean, there were fireworks going all over the place. Alaska holding a Roman candle. Jay, Tom, what are you thinking? There's no way my daughter's holding a Roman candle. And I say that without having a daughter. So get ready. So many things happened, so much fun, so much excitement. We were at my brother's house and fireworks everywhere. It, it, we had so much fun that my, my nephew thought it would be a good idea to climb a tree and 12 feet up and fall out and break his arm. Uh, so that happened to us last night. And so if you don't see a Chapman in this place, they're all exhausted and sleeping. There's a lot of things that happen, and, and I, love, I love allegiances. I love that we can love our country and celebrate its birthday. I love that we can love our family and have allegiance to family. I love that you can have allegiance to your job. I love that you can have allegiance to your friends. I love that you can have different allegiances. But all those allegiances matter not when it comes to allegiance with Jesus. Jesus is our ultimate 
allegiance. Jesus is what it's all about. Jesus is where our citizenship is. And I have to remember in these present times, in this present day, that my citizenship isn't here on earth, but my citizenship is in heaven with God the Father. That I am a son of Jesus. And I, I hold to him in all that I do. And when I turn on the news or I read my Yahoo update or whatever it may be, and I see maybe doom and gloom, maybe where I see they start legislating moral laws, start legislating things that maybe my wife and I don't agree with fully. When they start legislating this, I realize that they can't legislate salvation. They can't legislate. They can't legislate my eternal place, my eternal dwelling. And I love the fact that humanity hasn't legislated where I'm going to end up, but God has legislated where I'm going to end up. God has legislated a kingdom that is bigger than what we see today. And that's why our vision at Luminous Church is that we would see Jesus clearly. We would see Jesus clearly because when we turn on the news and we look at social media and we think the world is going to end, we need to see Jesus more and more. And so what do we do when these things happen? What do we do when they begin to legislate laws that maybe affect us? We pray. We pray that God would give us wisdom on how to lead our life. God would give us wisdom on how to raise our kids. God would give us wisdom on how to love our neighbor. God would give us wisdom on how to love our church. And God would give us wisdom on how to love this city. I'm asking for wisdom from God. And so can you join me as we pray this morning? Father, we love you. And God, we just are so thankful that you are in control and you are on the throne and nothing, nothing will ever surprise you because God, you know all things and by your will, they exist. And so Father, give us wisdom. Give us wisdom, Lord Jesus, when, when life is crazy. Give us wisdom, Lord, when when churches are burning down, give us wisdom. When brother hates brother and sister hates sister, give us wisdom, Jesus. Give us wisdom when, when morality begins to get compromised. Give us wisdom on how to navigate that. Give us wisdom and insight and perspective that, that there is nothing new under the sun, but we've been there. We are there, and we'll be there again. And so, Father, I pray for wisdom. And Jesus, I thank you for the church. I thank you that the church has come through every season of life. God, that you are sustaining your bride, that you're sustaining your church, that you are purifying your church, making her beautiful without spot or wrinkle. But Jesus, you love your bride. We love you this morning. We praise you this morning. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Well, church, we love you, and we are so excited to be in this new series, this new series that we've been in, Disciple. Last month, the whole month of June, we've had four sermons on what it means to be a disciple, and we had three different people speak four sermons, and that was on purpose, because you see, I didn't want just a singular perspective on this issue of disciple. I wanted the heart of what a disciple is to be conveyed and come out of multiple people so that you would see how important it is to be a disciple. And I love the fact that Jared told us what it costs to be a disciple. 
that to follow Jesus will cost you something, but it's so worth it. This relationship is so amazing, and he encouraged you to follow Jesus. I came up and spoke, and I just talked about being a fisher of men, that we would love people who don't know Jesus yet, love, love people who don't look like us, and give them hope. And that we would fish for people, and that's our heart, that we would love people in whatever we do. And J. Tom did an amazing job last week as he talked about a disciple is somebody who's family-focused. And that our mission and motivation is love. That whatever we do, we would do in love. That we would do in love. And so our deeds and our words would be done in love. And as we begin to make disciples and be disciples, that it would be love. And through this, through this and their heart and speaking on what is a disciple, I hope that you know what it is. It's growing in three relationships. It's growing in relationship with God. It's growing in relationship with believers. And it's growing in relationship with unbelievers. It's growing in three different relationships. And how many of you know that we are all called to that mission? It's not unique to us. We are all called to it. But what is unique to Luminous Church is our discipleship process. And everybody has a different process of making disciples. Everybody has different process. CBC will have a different process. Oak Hills will have a different process. Grace Point will have a different process. And Luminous Church has a different process. And although it's not that much different or not that complicated it is a different process and there are a lot of different processes when it comes to making disciples for some churches it is come sunday morning hear an amazing word live out that message the rest of the week come next sunday hear the word and repeat that is a great discipleship process and some of you have entered that discipleship process by coming to luminous church and sitting here and listening to this message being challenged by it, and walking it out. Some people, the discipleship process in the 1950s was have Sunday school. Did anybody ever attend Sunday school? Sunday school, you go to Sunday school, and you get educated, and you get equipped, and that was the discipleship process, and it worked so well for so long. There were multiple, thousands upon thousands of people disciple through that some people it's small group discipleship if you go to a small group and you learn a curriculum and you build life with each other that's a discipleship process and there's lots of processes to discipleship all these in my opinion are discipleship and there's hundreds and even thousands of ways that discipleship can take place hundreds and even thousands but at luminous church this month it is my hope that we would convey clearly what our discipleship process looks like for you. Because we don't want to be so complicated and so exclusive that it's a mystery to what the discipleship process is. We want to make it clear for you so that you can grow closer to Jesus. And everything is a process. My wife loves to bake, and she is an awesome baker. Like, I just, I love her. I love to eat her food. I love to eat mainly. I love her desserts because I like desserts. And the other day she was trying to make an angel food cake. Anybody make an angel food cake? It's really challenging, right? Because you have to get the egg whites and they have to, they have to get fluffy and rise. And then you put in the rest of the ingredients and you fold it into it. Well, my wife has never attempted an angel food cake. And as she began to get this box, this H-E-B angel food cake box, 
But you got the two ingredients, and there's there's bag A and bag B. Well, when you are a mother and you have to put up with Ben and all that stuff, you just get scattered. And so she put in bag B instead of bag A, and she was devastated. It's not going to turn out. I go, babe, it'll be fine. Just, just put in bag A and just get it going, mix it up, and cook it. So that's what she did, and when it came out, it was jello. If you ever want to make jello, just make angel food cake wrong. It is so rubbery. And my dad and I, my dad's living with us right now, and we're just eating this rubbery cake, you know, just smiling. And my dad encouraged her so much, and a lot more than me because I'm not very good at that. And, you know, it's a process. And sometimes processes, you can go around the process, and when you do, um, sometimes it comes out rubbery. And our, and our hope at Luminous Church is that we provided a clear process that would get you growing in Christ in a right way, that God would just be glorified in your life and out of your life in so many different ways. So this process is four parts. It's engage, it's establish, it's equip, and it's empower. And this morning, I want to talk to you about engage. Engage. First off, engage through prayer. Engage through prayer. 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 4 says this. First of all, then I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving made for everyone. Be made for everyone. Verse 2, for kings and all who are in high positions, so that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in godliness and dignity. This is right and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires everyone to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Everybody say, people are important. Okay, one more time. People are important. Not only are people important, they're very important. Very important, and people matter to God. What does it say? God desires that everyone would be saved. Everyone. I believe this to be true. It's something that I've stood on for a long time. And if it's true for everyone, pray for the governing officials. Pray for multiple people. Pray for multiple people that they would know Jesus in amazing ways. It's why we've come up with a VIP list. The VIP list is, is the very important person list, and it's really what we're going to hand out after service. And it looks like this. The VIP list is, is people that you know who need to hear the gospel, people that you know you need to pray for, people you know that needed Jesus. And then Romans 10. Romans 10 says this, My heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. Is that they may be saved. That's, that's God's prayer for them, that they would be saved. And so we, we begin to do a very important prayer list. Brandy has a friend. She's awesome. It was her roommate in college. She played softball. This girl is amazing. She's joyful. She's exciting. She's, she's so amazing in every way. And we, we um, have prayed for her dearly in many ways. And, man, we, we, it's almost as though she is saved. You know, she's just like one of those people you just love to be around. Well, we've been praying for this girl for a long time. We've been praying multiple times. And she just called Brandy the other day and said, hey, there's been all these people praying for me. They've actually come up and told me they've been praying for me. 
They told me that they've been praying for me and they've been inviting me to church and I'm a little apprehensive. What do you think? And so Brandy just got to share. We've been praying for you as well. We've been talking to you as well. It's been amazing as well. And what's amazing about a VIP list, it begins to put prayer on people's mind for people that God loves. Pray for relationships. Pray that people would know Jesus usually, usually moves to an invitation. Courage is most often preceded by prayer. Courage is most often preceded by prayer. And then as we engage through prayer, we engage through invitation. And I love David Oaks. Did you see him up here in his American flag tie? That was awesome. That was so patriotic. I love that. David loves America. And I love David. David entered my youth ministry when he was just a little tot. And he was a little guy. And as he was coming, he was excited about what Jesus was doing. And he would always bring his friends with him. He would invite them to come hear Jesus in many different ways. And one of his friends, Slade, Slade was an amazing young kid, goofy as all get out. Awesome kid, loved Slade. He was amazing and is amazing. Slade came to know Jesus at a young age, but he wasn't engaged in relationship and community. He wasn't engaged in many other things. In fact, he was introduced to Christ but didn't know much about Christ. So David brought Slade multiple times. Slade ends up coming to youth ministry. He ends up diving into Jesus. He ends up rededicating his life. He ends up getting baptized. He ends up following Jesus. And now Slade was going to Baylor University, having an amazing time. And his college pastor went to go plant a church. And he said, you know what? Forget Baylor. I'm going to go plant a church. So he moves to Kansas City to go plant a church. And now Slade is doing exactly what David is doing. And what many of you are doing, helping plan a church, helping reach people, helping engage people in new ways. In Acts 10, 24, we read about Cornelius. Cornelius, it says this in verse 24, and on the following day that they entered Caesarea, Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relevant and close friends. Cornelius, it was as though he was handing out luminous invite cards. Cornelius, as, as Peter and them were coming, he was like, hey, man, you got to come check this out. He was handing this to his relatives all over the place. He was handing it to his friends. He says, man, you need to come hear the gospel because I think something powerful is going to happen. And that day a house was gathered and many people were gathered in there and they gave their life to Jesus. And Jesus showed up and it was the first Gentile who gave his life to Jesus that was recorded. God used an invitation to reach Cornelius and his friends and his family. And every invitation is inviting them into a conversation. Engage them through prayer. Engage them through an invitation. Engage them through conversation. And at Luminous, we have two tools in our process for discipleship. The first one is the one-to-one book. It's a great tool in order to introduce somebody to a life with Jesus, what it's like and who Jesus is and how Jesus offers salvation to all who believe. We have one-to-one books available for you every Sunday at our discipleship table in the foyer, and those are free. Pick it up. Take somebody through a one-to-one book. Introduce them to Jesus. Introduce them to this life. And then we also have God tests. It's a 10-question test on what they think about God, getting a God conversation started. 
Because we don't want to engage them just through any conversation. We want it to be an intentional conversation. And this is the attitude in which the conversation should go. Check out this video. You're going to hear the SALT principle, uh, S-A-L-T, and it stands for, first of all, start a conversation. If you look at the Bible and you see how Jesus interacted with people, many times it was just basic conversations that he started. Uh, when it comes to evangelism or sharing your faith, somehow there's this almost feeling of an abrupt confrontation. And most of the time in our daily lives, there's just moments where there's a natural conversation starter. Now, you don't have to have a, a piece of paper or a tool in your hand to do that. That's just a skill you have as a human being. Uh, if you're a Christian, especially, you want to you engage the world around you and, and, and find out about them. So everything starts with a conversation. The A in the salt is ask questions. You'll find in the God test that there's a series of questions that you ask a person, uh, especially after they say they'd like to take the test. And in asking those questions, a person gets a chance to, to tell you what they think. The L of salt is listen. And boy, this is one of the most underestimated things that I, can, I could tell you about. And, uh, I get this picture in evangelism that we're, we're kind of calling people up and trying to, like, on a, like somebody at night when you're trying to have dinner that calls you on the phone and wants to sell you something and they start talking fast, knowing that you're going to hang up the phone. Uh, we're, not, we're not telemarketers. Uh, we're basically telling a story, which is the next part, the T part. But really, the listening part sets everything up. As you genuinely listen to people, uh, and listen to their answers. You're going to you're going to sense some amazing things. You're going to hear their story. You're going to hear their you're going to hear their their quandary. You're going to hear their concerns. You're going to hear their hurt, their pain. Uh, so much in ministry. So much in just the gospel and in life is just about listening to people. You can say to somebody that you love them, but I don't know of anything that's closer to to showing love than actually listening to somebody. They feel valued. They feel considered. And then you set up for the T part of S-A-L-T, and that's tell the story. The story is really about Jesus. The gospel is the story. Uh, the gospel is what explains to a person what's really wrong with us. It tells us what's, what's, what's wrong with the world. It tells us what's wrong in our souls. It tells about the brokenness. It tells about the fallenness of man. Uh, and then, but we also tell the story of, of the rescue, the great redemption story that God looked down into our brokenness and did something about it in sending his son, Jesus Christ. And so we tell the gospel story, but also we tell our story because the gospel happened to us. If you're a believer, then that story is personalized. It's contextualized in your own life story. So we want to start a conversation. We want to ask questions, which the God test will give you those questions, listen to people, and then tell the story. one of the founders of our movement who wrote God's Not Dead and came up with this God test. And you can feel free to take one of these on the way out of service today. In Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 8, we talk about this story multiple times, but it's a beautiful story when it comes to salt. It illustrates it so clearly. We see Philip, who was called to go minister to an Ethiopian and in verse 30, it says, so Philip ran to him and heard him reading, the Ethiopian, that is, Isaiah, the prophet, and asked, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? 
He invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Philip went on up and he started to tell the story. The story that the gospel is the good news. That God became man in Jesus Christ. That this man lived a perfect life. He didn't sin, but lived a life purely pleasing his father. And he lived this life that you and I were created to live, but didn't live. He also died a death that you and I should have died. He died upon the cross, taking the punishment of sin. Upon the cross, he bore your sin and my sin. And he was buried. Three days later, he rose again, conquering death and offering salvation for everyone who would believe. Offering salvation for you and for me. Because God so loved the world, he gave this son. Because God so loved the world, this man walked a perfect life. Because God so loved the world, Jesus took your death and your sin upon the cross. Because God so loved the world, he rose again three days later. Because God so loved the world, he's offering salvation for you and me. Believe in him. Believe that he is who he says he is. Believe that Jesus is in heaven, sitting right next to the Father, making intercession for you and me. So no matter what you've done or will do, Jesus is taking it. He loves you. He loves you. And so when you start a conversation and you ask questions, you listen. You listen not to say, what can I say next? You listen to get their heart and to love them so well like Jesus would listen to them. Because any question that you have, you can ask God because God is not too big for your questions. He's not too big for your questions. He, he can answer your questions. He knows your questions. And so the questions that you have rising up in you, ask God and watch him illuminate that through his Holy Spirit. And then tell your story how Jesus encountered you on that one day in that one moment, a day and a moment that we'll never forget, for we've never been the same since. Will you stand as we close and worship our God this morning? Because we love you, God, and we thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing this morning. And so, Jesus, I pray that you will ever be on our lips and that you will ever be all that you said you would be. And Jesus, as we begin to engage people and learn about Luminous's discipleship process, we know we're an imperfect people trying to explain a perfect God. So I thank you for you, Holy Spirit. Give us, us words when we don't have them. And Jesus, would you be praised this morning? Let's worship God this morning.